0: On today's episode of the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, I interviewed Dr. Dion Nielsen Price, who recently turned my poem, Gallery, into a composition for baritone and piano. The premiere of Gallery will take place on Sunday, November 14th at the Presidio Chapel in San Francisco. i have left more information in the show notes. To provide context for the interview, I'll first read my poem, Gallery. Stick around to hear from Ms. Price. She is an extraordinary person. Gallery, welcome to our gallery. I read in dulling bronze. Our artisans suggest you linger in each hall for if you pause and stare for hours, you may be reborn. I first stop in the library lined with ancient tomes and watch the words slip from their pages till nothing's left, not even phrases. The next rooms filled with paintings hung in even stacks, some layered rich in color, others finely sketched. Soon the pigment slowly fades, oil drips away, revealing stark blank canvases, white walls in decay. Each figure in the next hall holds a perfect pose, muscles carved from blocks of stone, unblinking eyes set deep left still on polished pedestals ever on display until they're melted down by fire into molten pools, becoming solid masses as the steaming swirl cools. I step into the final room where mirrors line each wall. Lit only by a single beam, I'm pulled towards the light and just like the art before, my body starts to fade dissolving into shadows that vanish through the floor. And so I join words paint and stone jumbled in the tomb, then waiting for three days to pass, I rise once more and bloom. Dion Nielsen Price is an American composer, educator, and pianist. Dr. Price has degrees with honors from Brigham Young University, the University of Michigan, and the University of Southern California. Dr. Price has composed more than 200 works for soloists, ensembles, bands, orchestras, and choirs, and film. As a pianist, she has performed throughout the Americas, Asia, and Europe. Dr. Price is an advocate for new music and living composers, on the boards of the International Alliance for Women in Music and the National Association of Composers USA. As an educator, Dr. Price has taught music theory, history, composition, and more at CSU Northbridge, UC Santa Barbara, USC, and other colleges and community colleges. I could fill the entire podcast sharing her accomplishments, so I encourage you to read more about Dr. Price. Dr. Price composed a piece for baritone and piano based on my poem gallery, which will be performed for the very first time on Sunday, November 14th at the Presidio Chapel in San Francisco. Dr. Price, welcome to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast.
1: Oh, thank you. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. I am thinking about working with your mother, Patricia Moorhead, with as as we did advocacy for women in music for many years through the international alliance for women in music and i met your father at some of the international festivals we had a good time with them in beijing so i was particularly honored that she suggested that you send your poems to me thinking i might like to set some of them and i loved reading canvas and i do did pick some to to set for music. But uh, I, at the time I was looking for something with a kind of a religious connection. And that's when you sent me gallery, it was great.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna talk more about transforming gallery uh, into music. Um, but before we do that, I wanna go back a little bit and get your earliest memory of performing music.
1: Oh my. Well, you would be surprised. I started out as a vocal soloist. I was a very young child. And I I have just been writing my memoirs, so I have all those details, which you don't need. But I, by the time I was two, I sang 25 songs. And then by the time I was three to seven, I was singing solos everywhere. When I was in school, Uh, kindergarten through second grade, I remember standing up in the middle of the mm, multipurpose room with all the students sitting around me on the floor. And I would stand up and I would sing some solo, Star Spangled Banner, God Bless America, Silent Night, you know, whatever it was. And those that's my earliest memory.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, did you always want to compose music or did an interest in composition come later in life?
1: It came when I was a teenager. The first thing I composed was a group project for my senior day production when we graduated from high school. And uh, we wrote a piece, a song called Science, and it was it it was fantastic. But then, I, I and uh, someone suggested to me that I should become a composer. So I thought about it, but it wasn't until I was in Europe in nineteen middle nineteen fifties. This was after the war, and my husband and I uh, I just got married. We spent a few years in Heidelberg, Germany. There was a family that was coming from the East Europe. This was when the Soviets uh, controlled Eastern Germany. And they came to Western Germany, and we helped sponsor them. And their son was riding a bicycle on the Autobahn, the big highway, and the cars go 200 miles an hour on that. And he was used to East Germany and didn't understand how fast the cars went, I guess, because he was hit and killed. And I, the tragedy was so awful. Here they had come from Eastern Germany for freedom and he immediately gets killed. So it was very traumatic. And I wrote some music just for the piano and I played it for the family. And I found at that moment that I felt I could express myself better in music than in words.
0: Beautiful. Oh my goodness. That's such a wonderful and uh, tragic anecdote. And, and I can really relate to that as a, as a writer of poetry. And uh, that kind of leads to my next question, which is when I'm writing poetry, I almost always start by just writing and not thinking about the form the poem will take, whether it's free verse or structured. I have no idea when I start writing. And I worry about that later after getting images, sounds, rhythms, and ideas on the page. Is composing music similar? At what point does the form of the composition take shape?
1: Well, it begins with a a feeling, a message, a musical idea. And you don't know what you're going to do with that musical idea. It might be a rhythm, it might be a melody, and it, and it is something that you, I don't know where it comes from. I really, I don't know where it comes from. But then you take that idea and you kind of see where it's going to lead you. And then that leads to uh, the form eventually. And, and as you see it, as you develop it, and make more out of the original idea sometimes some of my uh, early pieces i felt were continuous variations of the very first thing that's one one of uh, direction they took but it's that's not so with a song because with a song it's the words that mm-hmm. dictate the music to me they dictate the rhythms. They dictate the style, the, uh, the the tempo. You know, so the the words are the are the kernel that I work with
0: for that. So you you touched on this a little bit earlier, but. Um you know, all of an experience or see an image or know there is a poem to be created. What was it about my poem gallery that convinced you there was music to be created around the words?
1: Well, that's interesting because there are many levels and I I started on one level. I started, first I saw it on the page and I saw that, oh my goodness, each verse you add a line, there is an expansion here, you know, so that, form hit me at first. Then I started looking at the words. And I like the individual words, I like to set words that are not too many syllables that have lots of long vowels in them, because they make beautiful music. Mm. And, and I saw that that's the way your words are. And they're very direct you know some poems i'm off the track here but some poetry is so complete in itself Mm -hmm. that i don't think music would add anything to it and i was thinking of a poem from your your book canvas i put it here your your poem about etchings it, it begins like this, it says, I start writing perched waist deep on a Bahamian sandbar, tracing letters in azure blue turf, the letters momentary wisps on an endless swelling tide. I could not set that as a song. Mm-hmm. However, I might write an instrumental music uh, piece for instruments without words that perhaps you read this." The poem before the music started, but those words are so flowery and so complete in themselves that uh, you know that is not one I would pick to set to music. But gallery, so that was the first first level. Second level, the first level was I saw that visual format on the page. Then I looked at the individual words. And also with the with the phrases of the words, there are rhythms. You have that one. Let's see. It's um, where you say each figure in the next tall. Um, and then later on you use the same thing until they're until they're melted down by fire, until they're melted down by fire. So I can use those rhythms which create a wonderful uh, basis for that verse, rhythmically, you know. So I that was also the way you put the words together. and that appealed to me. And then I got to the very uh, the other thing that I liked was that you put it all in the first person you have this woman or this person who is walking through the gallery but it's all I and reading it that way pulled me right into the emotions of the story. And so that was very strong from the poetry and so when I got to the end which is just a wonderful surprise. And you don't realize you're going to go there. I don't want to talk specifically about it today because it's like a mystery. I don't want to spoil the mystery (laughs) by talking too specifically about what that surprise is. But that really captured me. And I could hear the music uh, for each of these sections, each of the verses. Are in a different room in the back in the gallery, and they seem to want a different style of music. So at first we start with the innocence, and someone's just walking by. I am just walking by, and I see this gallery. Maybe I'm a tourist, and I I decide. Well, let's see what the what the uh, bronze marker says about it and then you decide and so this is a very I write this in triplets in a very light style traditional style of, of, of music and then you decide oh I think I will go in and so goes to the first room. So I wrote that in March, like, because it was determined, I've decided I'm going to, I'm going to take this tour, you know, and it so each uh, verse suggested a different type of style of rhythm, tempo, even the, the chords I use, you know, today we hear music from all periods of Western history. It goes clear back to uh, even some of the Greek music. We're not sure what it sounded like, but we have a good idea. And back to medieval times and Bach and and, uh, Baroque, clear down to contemporary. And we hear music from many, many uh, countries and ethnomusics. So I have a lot of that in my head. And so I like to be able to draw on whatever I want for particular expression of words or whatever I want to do I like. So in this song, there are several different styles of music.
0: Uh, It's just an incredible honor to hear you break down the poem and also pick up on some of the things that made it so challenging to write. It's one of the most challenging poems I've ever written uh, and that you well, picked up on the rhythm. Yeah.
1: I appreciate that. But your effort on it, I have to tell you, made it easier for me hmm. because for one thing, that was done and, and I recognized it. And by the time I got to the end to this uh, wonderful uh, climax of it, then I suddenly realized, oh, there's a deeper meaning than the story. Mm-hmm. There, it, This is a, a very analogous, uh, a wonderful analogy, and and it was so deep, and that resonated with me because, uh, well, I understood that. So all of those levels, your story. Uh, hard work on it your intense work on it made each of those levels clear and you put them all together and it makes a wonderful work of art but because you worked on it so specifically i think it made my job easier
0: that's that's interesting i I knew
1: what i wanted to do as soon as as i read the poem
0: well that's wonderful i just i just everyone listening to this The Presidio Chapel is a beautiful venue. It's a wonderful concert series. Uh, Definitely come out on the 14th if you're in the Bay Area or within driving distance or flying distance. Come on out. Um, when, When writing poetry, I recite the poem out loud as part of the editing process. When composing music for multiple performers and for instruments that you don't personally play, how do you ensure the music is appropriate for each instrument not just the sound and emo- not just the sound and emotion of the instrument but also the performance challenges unique to the instrument. I asked that because I played the oboe for eight years when I was a teenager taking after my mother who is an accomplished oboist and composer herself. Many notes on the oboe are very tricky to play quickly. Uh, it's not an instrument designed to play super fast. Uh, do you think about those instrument-specific challenges when composing pieces for different instruments?
1: Absolutely. They call that orchestration. And you take... Well, in my case, I was a pianist, still am, and I worked with a lot of instrumentalists and a lot of singers as an accompanist, collaborator. And they often wanted me to write music for them so i worked with them on it and i would write something to see how it worked and then they would sometimes give me suggestions and so i kept learning all the idiosyncrasies of different voices and different instruments and i thought to myself this is really good for me to write just for like piano and and violin or 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 a soprano and piano or something like that, just one instrument at a time. Because then I said, then when I go to orchestrating, writing for a whole orchestra of instruments, I will know, have a good sense of each, what each instrument can do in certain ranges. Like in in the oboe, you know, it has a certain sound in the high register, a different sound in the middle register. It has that wonderful melodious sound in the middle register. Oboe makes wonderful melodies, uh, lyrical melodies in that range. Whereas uh, a flute might be weak there, for instance. So. All of that is, is very much on my mind when I, it's interesting because I just came from a recording session in New York City of a song cycle, which I had written originally for voice and piano. And when I did that, I was only thinking of voice and piano. So now I had to orchestrate it to be recorded for voice and an, an ensemble. And I had to really think about the music that I had written for piano to make it work with the instruments that I had, without covering up the voice, bringing out the interesting uh, uh, possibilities of each instrument, you know? So yes, that's very much on my mind.
0: Very cool, very, very cool. I've always been curious about that, and I, I don't think I've ever really asked my mother that question, He's also a composer. Oh, she would know. She would know too, yes, yes. Uh, the premiere for gallery, as we've mentioned a couple times, on November 14th, it's part of a free concert series you've organized at the Presidio Chapel, which is a spectacular location with beautiful acoustics, views of the Golden Gate Bridge and the San Francisco National Cemetery. Share a bit more about the concert series and what people can expect.
1: Well, we love to have people come in person now after the pandemic. We have been doing, this is our fifth year now that we're in of these Sunday afternoon free concerts. We do them as a service to the community. And we we built up a nice audience and then the pandemic hit. So we have just completed 15 concerts online on Zoom. And that has spread our audience geographically and our artists geographically. We had one concert that came to us from Japan, another one from Boston, some from Los Angeles, some from San Francisco, all around. And that was really quite exciting. And we had, I would say, overall successful uh productions with the technology you know there's always little problems and we had all of the problems over the time but overall it was very successful and we did so many so now we're back in person in the chapel but we also are streaming the concerts we've done two this is our third and then we are going to reevaluate for next year to decide how we want to do them in 2022. We have people who come from all over uh, who would like to perform on these concerts. And we also ask uh, people we know. I've brought in uh, performers that I have worked with over the years, and we all enjoy working there in the chapel so the next this one in november is jeremy who williams who is a world-class baritone he's on concert tour in california in november and he'll be singing welsh and american composers and at least two of the poets are going to be present so we're going to ask you to uh, read gallery before we hear it sung. It will be interesting to see how these things, I've talked about how they came together in gallery and if they work. This will be the first time that I have heard this song and the first as well as first time you have heard it. It's the premier, we'll see how they worked. I hope they work beautifully. I'm I hope they me. will because he's a wonderful interpreter of art songs.
0: I'm so looking forward to it and and being able to share this poem that I worked so hard on. Well, finally, you are well past the age traditionally considered their time to retire. The, expir- the experience with my retired musician parents is that musicians don't retire. They just continue to work just as much, but paid a lot less. Um, you have an extraordinary amount of positive energy, which I'm sure everyone uh, listening to this has heard. Uh, not for your age, but for any age. So what advice do you have for those who say, oh, it's too late for me, or I'm Uh, too old? What advice do you have for for people?
1: Both of those are false. (laughs) You're never too old, and especially as a musician. That was advice given to me when I was getting my doctorate. Uh, We had a, a wonderful, wonderful, musician, a piano pianist, teacher of collaborative piano. Um, and she she said, as a musician, any age. and I think the same thing would be true as a poet mm-hmm. or any artist. Uh, you can do it when you're my age. <laughs> I hope my father lived to one hundred and two. And he was very active and energetic. And I believe I have his genes. I'm in several projects. I'm in right now, I'm in four recording projects. I'm hoping they will all finish successfully while I'm still here. And and I would like to write another opera. If I I really enjoyed the two operas that I wrote in 2019, they were one-act operas. And I would like to write a, a, <clears throat> at least a two-act opera because I really enjoyed it. But I have to find a libretto. So think about writing a libretto.
0: <laughs> My mom has said be, that too. <laughs> it
1: has to be a message that resonates with me, just like the poetry that I set for songs. I've written several um, song cycles. and. On on poetry by Maya Angelou and and several wonderful poets, but I have I have projects I want to finish, and that's what I'm working every day. Time is going so fast.
0: You well, just how uh, older it's, you get the faster it goes? It's very inspiring because I I had this uh when I uh, you know I published my first book earlier this year, being a collection from over forty years of really creating poetry and, you know, just for myself and for family and friends and had this false belief last year, which I got over last year where, oh, I, I really should have done this younger. I've the, the time has passed. That's oh, so young, untrue. No, no, no. The, the more I'm realizing every year that goes by, I have a, a larger pool of experiences to draw from. So, and I actually read Margaret Atwood's latest book and she talked in an interview about how she kind of, not exactly cringes, but looks back at her, her earlier poetry when she was much younger and just, you know, it, it was poems of a person of that age in the twenties, but there's a mm-hmm. there's experiences she hadn't had yet that she's had now that she can incorporate. So I definitely see that. I just have this pool of experiences I can draw some. So well, Dion, I want to thank you for joining the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast today. It's an honor to have gallery transformed into music. I've heard your sort of synthesized you know right. uh, rough cut without
1: the, words. without
0: the words and imagining it and following since i can read music following the. i score. don't know
1: if you noticed but i tried to all in music follow your form of expansion mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a little bit so that the end it really gets um expanded overly as i go back and recapture what we got in each room and then they all jumbled together in the tune.
0: oh yeah it's just you it's know. just so beautiful the, the the musical craft and tricks and, and techniques that you use yeah. to to fit yeah. on what is an, not a very traditional form uh for a song you know i mean where you would you would well, right you know you would you would have Verses and then you repeat and there'd be you know there'd be similar so, you no know, it's very different so I, I think it's just wonderful. But how most of performing. my song,
1: most of my songs are quite contemporary and free, free yeah. form, like yeah. your poetry.
0: <laughs> wonderful. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story with the Dual swings Poetry Podcast today. Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast is written and produced by James Moorhead. You can follow me on Twitter at Dublin Ranch. Subscribe to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast and follow us on viewlesswings.com or on Instagram at viewlesswings.